Hello everyone and welcome to episode 68. What's up party people? It is President's Day Eve as they say. Woo! One of us has work tomorrow and one of us doesn't. Oh. So you can take one guess as to who's drinking. Cheers mate. Finishing off that bottle of wine from last week. Uh, have you digested all of your Valentine's Day gifts as well? I think so. You're just spoiled over there. I am. I went all the way to Mall of America for you. To get a dozen macarons. Um, they were getting a little crunchy today after four days. On my way out of the mall, I passed that store five below. Yeah. Never in my life had I known what the concept so of that store was. Everything's below five dollars. Just got that. Like a dollar it, store, but like for, like... The rich people's dollar store. Yeah, that might be a stretch. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> one step out from a dollar store. Yeah. There was one. There was one shop on our our main road near us in Australia, and the name of it was everything under one hundred and fifty, as if like that was a good limit to set for your spending. One hundred fifty dollars. Ours is a hundred dollars without having to tell. True, in terms so, of our marital agreement. Yes. Huh. Okay. All right. Let's jump straight into some good news and bad news. I think I have some mansplaining for you. You are announcing that you're going to mansplain to me? Yeah. I thought that was more polite. All right. Sure. It's more sports-splaining than anything. Are we going to do the jingle? No? Uh, good news, bad news, good news, and mansplaining. Here we go! Um, so... Sir Colin Kaepernick was in the news again this week. Yes, I saw a picture of him on Twitter and asked you to explain it, and you said, save it for the podcast. Yeah, good, you remembered. Um, so he had a legal case going. Okay. Trying to argue that the NFL and its owners had colluded against him in not giving him a job for the last, whatever, three years. He won, right? He settled. And this is why it is both good news and bad news. Okay. Because the dude got paid, which is good for someone who's essentially been unemployed from their primary prof profession. So he basically got like back paid kind of for... Yeah. But you'll never know how much it was. And the bad news is, is that there was supposedly evidence to corroborate his claim. And now no one will ever get to see that because he settled. Why do you think he settled, though? Like, if... That's what people are debating, and whether they should be happy or not, because was it more important that the NFL got found out, or more important that Kaepernick can can go about his life now? Surely that wasn't really his decision entirely, though. Like, that's what you have lawyers for, is to, like, advise you of what's the best course forward. Like, even if they supposedly had evidence for collusion... Mm -hmm. What would have happened if he, if somehow he lost? Like, was it a jury? Uh, unclear. I'm, I assume what happened was that uh, his lawyers felt like the evidence they had wasn't strong enough to win outright, and so they probably had to convince him to settle. But some people feel like it's a little bit of a letdown because he's been so strong and so adamant in his stance over right. multiple years. Very idealistic. And that now you get towards the end and you like you have a chance to make the NFL pay. Takes, takes the cash grab. And instead they just paid that way, not the other way. Was Do you think it was an obscene amount of money though? Uh, maybe like 50 million? Would that be obscene? No. Mm. I'm thinking like a couple hundred million. 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they would have done that unless the evidence was really bad. I assume the evidence was just one or more owners in some old white dude email thread where they're, you know, using weird fonts and and purple text and stuff. And they're just like, we're all in agreement that we're going to blackball Kaepernick because he's, you know. Trying to straight change the status quo. Yeah. And a couple guys replied all and said, yeah, sounds good to me. I am wondering, I'm going to wait it out before judging Cap because he's done a lot of good, uh, he has like a foundation now yeah. and does a lot of like educating and youth work. And I'm wondering if he got paid a shitload of money, maybe his reason for taking it or what convinced him was like, if you keep arguing, you might get the answer you want, but like, it's not going to change anything and you're not, and you could end up with no money. Hmm. Whereas if you take the two hundred million or whatever it is now, you can like put that all into your foundation and like do some actual good with it instead of just like making it about revenge. Yeah, I mean, I don't think his bank account was like in real danger because he was signed to Nike through this all and including that special campaign as well. So I don't know. It's tough to say, but he's already been uh, rumored about to being potentially. Um, Considered for the Patriots. Really? As a backup. They, mm, I don't know about that. Bob Kraft is up there with the whitest of the white owners. That is true. I just would have thought, I mean, it really is a cabal, the 32 NFL owners, but wouldn't you think that like one one of those dudes would want the, the PR boost? Do you know how many jerseys you could sell? But then again, maybe the... The average NFL fan would not see it as a uh, a rallying cry. I think they're missing the fact that people that don't give a shit about the NFL would buy cap jerseys anyways, and they'd have a whole bunch of new fans it's, for their he, team. Yeah, the San Fran one is still selling like hotcakes. Um, what what was he suing what? for? Was he suing for knowledge or suing for money or or like he was? Well, how I mean, you can you know sue I mean? for collusion if people have like conspired to no, no, keep you was, unemployed. I assume it was a civil suit for money. Yeah, it had yeah. to be. Um, so in the end, were they going to be able to release that evidence anyways? Even if he won, that's the thing. Is if it goes to trial, then it becomes public. I think. Um, the other intriguing sports story of the week with no sports actually going on, um, was Naomi Osaka firing her coach. Yeah, that was weird. We were trying to figure it out on Twitter. After two Grand Slams, Grand Slam victories in a row, which is, um, sort of unheard of, but then again, not really. Tennis coaching is like a weird thing because when they're going well, like, it seems like those two will always be bonded together forever. Like, I remember when Sloane Stevens won the U.S. Open two years ago. Yeah. And her coach was so proud of her. And they were like, we have such a great teamwork. And a year later, he was gone. But she hadn't won a ton of high-profile tournaments that year. Naomi's literally won the last two largest tournaments in the world with this guy, Sasha. Well, it sounded like she kind of won in spite of him, though. Like, it sounded like they were hardly speaking. And, well, apparently people listened back to her, you know, post-match talk, and she said, Sasha, thanks for hitting with me the last couple weeks, which is like a backhanded, backhanded, no tennis pun there, but, you know, slight, saying that you're not my coach, you're just my hitting partner. Oh, I I wouldn't have caught that, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, will she go it alone, Nick Kyrgios style? That hasn't exactly panned out. I don't think so. 
I can't see her doing that. People talk, you know, relating to our previous topic, people think it could have been money that he was saying, I deserve a cut of these gigantic checks you've gotten in, uh, in August and January. She's like, you're not helping me that much. Not that much. You don't deserve it. I don't Naomi know. I is like sneaky though because when you hear her talk, you just think that she's just a, a she butterfly. Has this voice that's like this. Uh, she's clearly got like a business dark side. Yeah, it's got a little bit of Taylor Swift in her, where she's like all princess dresses and. How'd those Grammys go for Taylor Swift? Not great. Hmm. Not great. Um, do you want my good news and bad news? Yeah, hit me up with You're that. You're not gonna like my first good news. Shocking. Um. The best friends that were reunited from the cruise. Say what? The best friends uh-huh. from that cruise when they were little. Oh, yeah, that was terrible. You should have just said this is about Ellen. That's how we should kick off this I, segment. I finally unfollowed Ellen on Twitter. And All I, like, because of Kevin watched. Hart? I just, like, I don't like her new game sh- show, game show thing. Yeah. Like, I keep getting confused of whether that's the Ellen show or a separate show. And Ellen just, I just has a brand. I don't, I don't know. Something's been like rubbing me the wrong way about Ellen lately. Mm-hmm. I think she's gotten like a little bit big for her britches. I heard you say, I'm not, I'm not teaching black kids just to get on Ellen. I don't want to get on Ellen that way. Yeah, I don't want to exploit the kids at school just to get on Ellen. But Snapfish, they give you the cash. Yeah, but like. Get you out of some jams. But then I have to exploit the kids. Fair enough, but you have no problem with, uh. Sad little awkward reunions. You're all you're game for that. I'm I'm not sure why they both got money. Uh, <laughs> and the Ellen show was congratulations very, for being rich enough to go on vacation twenty years ago. The Ellen show was very awkward about it. Like I just liked the Twitter story, and I was like, oh, they read Ellen, and it was super weird. I wish I had just stuck with the Twitter story. It was funny on Twitter because she just put like we gotta put a little context around this. Maybe I'm trying to explain it right now. Yeah. Um. The this girl on Twitter put this picture that she found being like, oh my God, this girl's my best friend for like one night on a cruise when we were little. Um, can anyone help me find her? And it got retweeted a bunch of times and then eventually it made its way to this girl who was the other girl in the photo. Yeah. And I relate to it because everyone has that photo. You don't have a photo like that? I do, but I don't... I get the first half of it, like, oh my gosh, look at this photo. But the second half, let me find this person? Why? To see what they're like now. Why? Because They're probably grown up or dead. Either way, it's going to be a sad ending. What a take on it. I have a picture of me and Melinda. Oh, Melinda. From when I was like four. And what would you do if you reconnected with this It would be Melinda? cool. I would be like, hey, what has your life been like? I saw you one time when we were four and spent a week together in Chikora National Park. Wow. State Park, whatever. And then you'd hug it out. Probably yeah. not. We'd probably just like exchange awkward messages and move on with our lives and like maybe follow each other on Facebook, but, but Ellen it would just can't, be cool. can't let that happen. But yeah, it was real awkward. I didn't realize like the girls hadn't met yet and like... They've been, like, chatting on Twitter, but, like, obviously not that much because it was really awkward. I don't know. I mean, people, you know, would mock the Jerry Springer, Ricky Lake, whatever, those shows when they'd be like, we're reuniting, you know, long-lost father and son or brother and sister. Like, this is, like, 10 degrees lamer than that. Yeah, it was a pretty lame Ellen segment. And then it was just like, here's a big check. Yeah, it was weird. Um... What is happening to those shows? I know they're always terrible, but like Jimmy Fallon just has a rotating cast of either 
Seth Meyers or Carson da- Daly, meaning or people Kendall on his Jenner. network, or the gen the general always available extended tree, and and Ellen just has social media hounds, just like and like looking thing, for memes. So we already talk about it that thing on Good Morning America where it was like a teacher like did a black girl, a little black girl's hair and it got on Good Morning America. Did yeah. we talk about that on the podcast? Or was no, it just that was car? just a car rant. But I expect that level of lameness out of uh today's show in good morning america i was that level of lameness the bar is that low for white dudes after matt lauer you gotta go as lame as possible just to get get through the morning for, for white dudes that if you're a teacher and you do a girl's hair that's a different skin color than you and you get on fucking good morning america that was your good news and we ended up swearing and arguing that much you ruined it i don't want to know what you're Bad news My is. other good news is that there's a release date for Wayward Sons, my most anticipated book for this year. It's never coming out. Yes, it is coming out September 24th. That's a good date. I'm really excited about it. Do I have to read it? Um, Maybe. I'm going to read it first and let you know. Hmm. Did you like Carry On? No, we did a long podcast with friend with of the Elizabeth. show Elizabeth. Yeah. Yes. Um, I am mostly concerned about what cover it's going to have. Because this I gal really and the cover of this book. Oh my god. And I have, like, the original carry-on cover, but then the one that got more popular was the Kevin Wada art. No one has ever and... come into our lovely abode here and said, wow, you have awesome bookshelves, but a couple of these Kurt Vonnegut's don't match. It's not for other people. It's for me. For your little book OCD? When I look at the bookshelves, I'm like, oh, they match. There's, like, coordinating colors next to each other. Yeah. And the heights. Like, all of those ones in the bottom are, like, trade paperback height, and they're all the same height. Whatever you need, babe. I just want them to match. Okay. So before I pre-order, I need to figure out what the cover situation is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I need a signed one because I already have a signed Eleanor and Park and I have a personalized postcard to me where she calls me a good egg. Yeah. So I don't think I need the signed one. I hope she does an event near here because we're not that far from Nebraska. That's true. But we'll see. Okay. So there's a release date for that. Is that it for your news? I bad newses. Okay, go. Why did you have so few newses? Uh, once upon a time, I was uh, reprimanded for ha- having multiple newses at a time. Well, we've moved on past that, haven't we? <sighs> um, one of my bad news is just a general that there are too many presidential candidates for the Democrats. Already. Already. I'm losing track. Every single time one of them comes out and people is excited about people are excited about them running, like two seconds later, it's like, here's something they said in 2010 that should make you reconsider voting for them. And I'm just over that already. I'm so over, like... You only have 18 months to go, right? Oh my god, kill me. I'm so over all of the hyper-analyzing of the female candidates especially as well. The hyper-what? Hyper-analyzing. Mm. Of the female candidates already. Right, whether they're qualified or... Just in general. Mm. Just, like... Like, I haven't seen very many think pieces on, like, whether Bernie Sanders should run at 74, whatever how old he is. And I've seen a lot of comments about, like, Kamala Harris this one time, or, like... Amy Klobuchar, like, announced her candidacy in a snowstorm. What can we make of that? Like, is she too hard on her uh, her staff? Because there's this one email that went around right. that she pushes them too hard. It's like, has, think, has there mm. ever been a male candidate that they're like, he pushes them too hard? <laughs> like, no. That's just tr- another way of, like, being misogynistic. I think you need to curate your feeds a little bit better. Because we don't watch we don't watch television news. Mine Twitter is. Pretty... We did watch local news one night because you needed a uh, storm oh. forecast and you didn't even know how it was done. Never again. You didn't even know what to do. Never again. It was of no help to me. 
It was of no help, but I didn't enjoy it. Um, um, have you heard that they're taking conspiracy theories off of YouTube? Like you're not allowed to... Post conspiracy theory videos anymore? Isn't how this else, America? How else are we going to find out about the JFK assassin assassination at one in the morning There's on a Friday? There's a Kruger film. Yep. Is that considered a conspiracy theory or a historical record at this point? Who's making that call? YouTube, and that's the you've most got of the... you've got family in that in that sector of the uh, the company, so you find out. Is it owned by Google? Yeah. Oh. He works on YouTube. Yeah. Um, most of the people that I've heard are asked that exact same question of who's deciding this, because what's actually going to happen is they're just going to use that to take like Black Lives Matter stuff off of Twitter. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, off of YouTube, and then not actually take any of like the white supremacy stuff off well, of yeah. it. Like I mean conspiracy is a is a quite a broad term. Like I assume what they mean is trying to get rid of the false flag stories where they claim everything's an inside job. Correct. And like the pizza ring or whatever that one is. Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if you yeah, if you're a flat earther, I don't know if they're gonna take you off of YouTube. Right. Like Not how are really they, putting anyone in danger, I hope. How are they gonna it just seems like a very useless declaration because how are they going to actually decide that? And then yeah. if they take it too far, it can actually take off. Our like what, what's a conspiracy theory depends on where you sit on the left, right wing scale. Does yeah. it not? What if someone said, I, I believe the Brontosaurus never existed. Was that a conspiracy theory? I know that you're hurt still about Brontosaurus. Science. Hashtag science. Um, I'm just saying, like, if you're a more right-wing person, you'll yeah. think a lot of left-wing stuff is conspiracy theory and vice versa. So I don't understand how they're going to be centrist enough to judge that fairly. Probably they won't. I don't know. Um, the last thing is Ryan Adams. Mm. Man. Are all rich, like, industry dudes just the worst people in humanity? Well, is, is he it, like the Harvey Weinstein of music? Chicken or the egg situation. Is it is it their lifestyle that leads them to become predators, or were they predators who happened to become famous? Um, I would say it has nothing to do with fame and everything ha everything to do with toxic masculinity and white supremacy and the intersection of those two. Okay, so if you're, you're saying if you looked at of a sample of male celebrities, the same percentage would be repulsive people as if you looked at a sample of any other men in any other profession? Yes, but the celebrities are given more power and more money and more opportunity Access, yeah. for... Like, if you're a random uh, bad dude and you right. have no power and no nothing to wield over other people, then, like, your sphere of harm is limited. Whereas if you're a very, like... Right, in this case, part of it is a, uh, like, fan letters that were being sent. So, you know, he had a sort of a... A power over these people Correct. already, and in terms of like young musicians and things like that, that like he has something that they want, he has something to kind of hold over them. So what is that? But it's not just white dudes, I guess, because mm. it's basically R. Kelly. There you go. So famous dudes, toxic masculinity in general. Just do we all dudes have it? Shitty, mm. And they have you have like men have that in them somewhere, and when you get the opportunity, you're like might as well take it. And the good ones are they good? Just by nature, or are they by choice, or do I they have say. to re repress something in order to stay good? I wouldn't say it's repression. I would say it's a, it's a choice. Okay. I don't know, but that was just shitty. Like I was never a huge fan of him. Like the Taylor Swift cover album that he did, I was just like, this is kind of boring. Loves himself some um, covers, but he just—I feel like he touched a lot of. He touched How are you going to finish songs. that sentence? <laughs> he touched a lot of songs. He was like really 
in like the 90s and 2000s like song producing stuff wasn't he or 2000s, yeah i, I remember a decade ago i was like I'm, i have to look up this guy's records because everyone says he's the best singer songwriter i didn't fall for it i didn't no, fall but for producing him. wise yeah he's he's been i just feel like producers of... is like a good opportunity to be a scumbag i think just so. the, just the name Makes it sound like you're in charge and everyone else is hanging on by a thread. And has to cater to you if they want Yeah. anything. Ryan Adams and Brian Adams are different? Yes. Summer of 69? I think they're related, though. No. Aren't they? No idea. Oh. Um, was David that, Ryan. Was that David the, Ryan Adams? David Ryan Adams? It's not even his real say. name. It is David Ryan Adams. Can't trust anyone with two first names. Weird. He's produced albums for Willie Nelson, Jesse Mellon, Jenny Lewis, Fall Out Boy, Counting Crows, Weezer, Nora Jones, Mini Driver, um, Toots. Who's that? He also was married to Mandy Moore. Yeah. You haven't heard her part of the story? She's spoken no. out as well. I didn't know that. Yep. Let's just say it's a walk to remember. Um, is that it for your news now? Yes. Okay. Shall we do a quick advertisement before we get into some nostalgia? Sure. Bookdigits, B-O-O-K-D-I-G-I-T-S dot com. You can make a free account, track your to-read list, track your reading goals, see how you measure up with achievements with uh, compared to the two of us. You can even compare your ratings to other people to see. If you have online friends, yep. Or podcast friends that's true they can compare their what are our book digits usernames mine is remus lupin obvs and yours is spen gavrish yep all one word two t's get on get on book digits because those those unique usernames are just flying off the racks so claim yours before it's too late if instagram is more your thing you can follow us at book digits on instagram see what we're up to we've we're up to 856 followers damn and I have been posting um, all books by black authors for in February as my very small Black History Month contribution. Mm -hmm. So you can check out the books that I've posted. And I've got some uh, scheduled posts upcoming that should be pretty good as well. Mm -hmm. I just finished uh, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. You did? It's my first nonfiction book of the year slash of a long time. Uh, and so how's that, how's that nonfiction... Uh approach gonna go this year you think i've read one so far you were in pain yeah i didn't love it <laughs> um my next nonfiction one is gonna be the michelle Obama book though because i want to read that before that's probably a good one to and i think those are a little bit more interesting because they're at least they're stories that i can get into whereas this one was just like reading a fucking textbook um very interesting and i learned a lot but it is just not the writing style that is fun for me to read on my days off Okay, I give you credit for trying. I have some other broadening your horizons. I have one about wildlife photography. I have a very short one that I got at church on Christmas Eve. Um, that's about Christianity. That you're just a book collector. Um, I'm a book hoarder, and I'm never gonna get through all of them, especially if I keep requesting books from the library. So addicted. Um, what should we talk about? I think we should... I think game first. I was going to say that. Well, we finally synced up. It only took 68 episodes. And you can do the game intro because you were doing sure. it earlier. Which game intro? The, how we introduce a video game. Which are you 
Are you a witcher? <laughs> and then I have to do the. Um. I thought I had to do the. Um, what? The the Ben Wyatt. Hey. Oh yeah, from uh, <laughs> Rochi. Mm-hmm. You told me we were gonna start playing that again. You now I'm ac- now I was actually being serious because we're okay. running running out of games. What you want to go and back those, and those what you want to go back and start it over though, and I want to go back. And we just, can just do free run, just for now. free run yeah. for a little bit. We at least need to get back in the hang of the game because it's been a while. The commercials for Red Dead Redemption are two are only reinforcing my decision. Dialogue is just garbage. Uh, what game are we talking about? We are talking about Spyro Reignited. Spyro Reignited. Yep. We finished one third of it. We finished like the, the first, first title. Yep. Kind of like um, Crash Bandicoot. It's all, yeah, it's identical setup, correct. It has like three of the original Crash Bandicoot games all um, wound into one. Yeah. So we finished the original Spyro, mm-hmm. but re, what do they call it? Remastered? Reignited, yeah. But it was a remastered, yeah, correct. I am aware that's called Reignited, <laughs> and it's remastered, right? Yeah, same exact gameplay, but just improved visuals and audio. Yes. and yeah. So Spyro was the game that I like forgot that I used to play. Mm-hmm. I don't even know that we owned it. I never owned it. I think we might have. So we like inherited a PlayStation slash traded. The first Spyro was regular PlayStation 1, right? We had PlayStation 1. We found an Atari, a working Atari. I've probably told us on the podcast before. We found a working Atari in my parents' basement when I was like in high school probably or maybe middle school. And my cousin was, uh, who's a lot older than me, mm-hmm. that was like his childhood was playing atari nick and i played it for a little while and we were like these games are boring yeah and my cousin was like oh my god you have a real atari it still works i still have games but ours doesn't work anymore like so he traded us a playstation for an atari i see uh which at the time nick and i were like heck yeah you made out on that deal yeah and i'm sure like we could have sold it for money or something and that early days of ebay or something but for us we were like cool because our parents would never buy us a, a game a sta- uh, what do you call it? Console. Console. Um, yeah, I had to have my crazy system. aunt give me money and finally convince my parents to let me get a system. And I was just such a contrarian, I guess, so I picked Sega Genesis. But. Yeah, we never had a gaming system and we were, were just um, forced into PlayStation kind of because my cousin was like, oh, we're getting rid of an old PlayStation. Mm-hmm. Can I trade you for that? And I was like, sure. And he gave us some games. So I actually think Spyro might have been one of the games he gave us. Um, mostly what I played on them were all of the Harry Potter playstation games back then wow like it was probably in high school Mm -hmm. maybe middle school when did the movies come out probably high school um but i spent hours playing those harry potter playstation games they were like terribly done and like they would always freeze when you're about to beat voldemort anyway lego ones too no i never had the lego ones (laughs) you always are so judgy with the lego games i never had the lego games Anyways, so I think we had Spyro from that. The other one that you always make fun of me for playing is that we had Bugs and Taz, Time Travel, something, which was a weird movie. Yeah, was one that yeah. I think that was the only one. We eventually took the PlayStation up to the chalet. Right, I remember it um, there. And we only had, like, that. We only had a couple games up at the lake house, and that was one of the ones we used to play all the time. Uh-huh. And it was one of our only um, dual-player games, so they connected yeah. at the same time. right. Because a lot of them weren't. Anyway, so I, re- I like, f- totally forgot about Spyro until they did announced the crash. This. Well, they didn't really announce it. They kind of, like, teased at it with the Crash Bandicoot one that, like, Spyro might be the next one. And I yeah. was like, fuck, I remember that game. Yeah. Like, I just had, like, a weird, like, whoo, deja vu of, like, oh, Spyro. Mm-hmm. Um, it was great. 
It is exactly my good. type of video game. It is. Whereas Crash Bandicoot is more mine. Crash Bandicoot because it's a little bit harder to get through each level, and it requires a little bit better timing and uh, controller usage. And you can go and try to collect everything if you really want to, but you don't have to. Whereas Spyro is all about getting to 100% on every level, really. And it's... And it's easy to collect the... Easier to collect the gems. Like, Crash Bandicoot is like, we never fucking knew where the other no. boxes were, and it was impossible. Whereas Spyro, it's like, if you do it carefully, like, the amount of levels there were compared to the amount that we had to Google to figure it out, yeah. like, most of them you can really figure out on your own. Even some of the harder levels, like... Once we got to the really end, there was a couple impossible levels that we can talk about it a little bit, but mm -hmm. uh, it was my type of game in that the controls, you still needed some modicum of control. I, I, I heard you just backhanded, backhanding me <laughs> with that, saying I don't have good control. You still needed some modicum of control to do some of the moves and the flight and stuff, yeah. but you could... You could get by. You could get being by a, with a little bit of clumsy. You could uh, get by button mashing, and you could go back. Like it's not like Mario or Crash or something where you just—it's a how do you call it's a, it? A side scroller, yeah. Yeah, I mean Crash isn't always technically side scroller, Correct. but like it—it it continues. It's a one way. It's linear. Like you can't go back. Right, and that's what—that's what appealed to me more about Crash. But I came around on Spyro. I. Once you get settled in and you you're and you understand that like yes the worlds are three D and open but not really like they have borders um, and yeah and you there's a finite things finite number of things that you're collecting which always puts me at ease where I'm like okay I need a hundred more and it tells I can you go find a hundred yeah. yeah and I think that's the compromise for you and I is that it's an open world but it's not really it's, yeah it's, it's not the game playable. that the game that annoyed me most was Assassin's Creed the pirates one because it was like you could get off at a treasure. You could get off at a million different islands and skin a million different things, and you had no idea if like you were anywhere near a trophy or anything. It was terrible. It was great. You could just do whatever you want. That's awful. It's not a point. It's cool an island, and you jump off and get to look at it. I wake up every day and do that. I don't need to do that in my games as well. I want to have a fucking mission. I hate it in games when it's like, look at island. There's like nothing on it. I love that about Assassin's Creed. It was like, what could be on this island? It could be a panther I could skin, and I could make a pouch, make a make a new purse and a belt. Anyway, so this was a good compromise for us, I think, Definitely. in that it was open world enough that you felt like you could like explore and like prance through the fields and find gems. Yeah. But it was finite. It wasn't like you could keep exploring forever. Like I'm still not entirely sold on the physics of the game. Like sometimes there would be a platform and you'd be like, Oh, I can get there and it's like, Nope, there's not a chance in hell once you're in the air and other times there'd be like, uh, there's no way I can get to that platform and you're like, Oh, I have to try it and it was easy. I think that's just a case of me actually being good at something in video games that you're not as good at. I'm better at, like, the... How did we call it before? Like, tactics versus strategy? Yeah. Like, you're better at, like, the overall strategy, I mm. think. And... Or was it the other way around? <laughs> I don't remember. I am actually pretty good at figuring out, like, the courses in video games. You have a good sense games. of that. Yeah. I have a good, like... Uh, spatial awareness kind of with video games. Yeah. Like whenever you're like, where's the path? I don't understand. I'm like, it's, it's right over there next to that rock. Like to me, it's very right, obvious. But when the camera disorients me, I am just lost. Yeah. And like, that's what I'm actually good at. I'm not, you're correct. I'm not always very good at like the dexterity for yeah. some of these things, like the flying levels on Spyro. Right. We had to mention I those. absolutely could not do. So each, there's, what, five worlds, I think? 
Uh, yeah, I think so. There's five different worlds that you, like, travel to by balloon, but we figured out later that you could actually just, fast like, travel. fast travel through the um, right. control screen. And the you menu start screen. in kind of, like, a home base in each, which is it, which is a level of its own, which I'm not a big I fan like of that. I like that. I thought that was fun. Like, that was a little bit of, like, a reward. No, when there's got to be a safe home base where I feel comfortable. I liked it, though, because it was, like, a little bit of a reward when you got to a new level is that you could you could go around and, yeah. like, find everything and find all the gems. I see what you're saying, that there shouldn't be enemies there or whatever. Yeah. But um, that's the whole point of the story is that every all the worlds have been taken over by the minions of Nasty York. Yeah. Um, but each, each home world had um, kind of a different vibe to it. Right. It's pretty common. The in weirdest games. one was the Dreamcasters one. I did not like that one. That was the one where you're like floating up in the clouds and like. Oh yeah. I didn't like that one at all. The swamp one was a bit strange too. Mm. Um, but for each of those worlds, there was like a couple different levels. There was the boss, and then there was a flying level. Yeah. Which I could not do the controls of that. They were back, like, and we realized that on the very last level that they're kind of backwards of the normal. I level knew that from the controls. very first time I tried it. I couldn't. Yeah. I know you said you could switch it somewhere in the settings or yeah. something, but I just, like, really, really struggled with the controls of it. I could not get... It wasn't even, like, the um, uh, hand-eye coordination of it. Yeah. It was the backwards controls. Like, I just could not get that into my brain that it yeah. was backwards. Um, no, those levels were fun because it was just the right amount. Like, I could beat any of them within, like, a half an hour, but I would need to play them again and again. And often, you needed my eyes... Because yeah. I'm good at the strategy of it sometimes. I'm like, if you fly that way, then you don't lose as much right. speed. Because it Whereas, was, yeah, you had a, a timer clicking down, and if you didn't get enough things in enough time, it would expire. I think I'm good at strategy, and you're good at tactics, because you're good at the actual small maneuvers, and that I'm good at like, right. the overview of seeing, like, okay, if you go that way, and then jump this way, then you can get to this part. Uh, so we did have to Google some of it. This is definitely a game that I could see you would have like a manual. Yeah, I felt guilty about, but then, yeah, I remembered about how... GameStop, or EB Games, I should say, would always try to sell you on the uh, strategy guide with all your new games. And people needed them back, back in the day. I felt fine about it because it was never, like, to beat the level. It was just to get all the gems. Sure. Like, it always gives you the return home little portal mm -hmm. before you've actually collected all the gems. Yeah. So we wouldn't have had a problem beating any of the levels no. Like, getting home to the next level. It was just we were trying to do 100% completion. Yeah. I was really proud at the end, though, because once you beat the final boss, it says, like, you'll only be able to get into this next level once you get 100% of the rest of the levels, and it just automatically opens. Been there. And I was like, fuck yeah. Yeah. I was very completionist. proud of Completionist. Um, I am a little bit of a completionist, and you in know that games. about me. Yeah. Just in life, though. Like, if I, like, search something on the internet, and there's, like, 12 pages of it, I, like, need to click all 12 pages to see... Like fucking slideshows, you're saying? No, 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 not on Google. Like if I'm searching for like, like yeah, I hope not on Google. That if would I'm take searching like lifestyle. for Mulan T-shirt and I go uh -huh. on a website and it offers me like four pages of results, I have to look at every page. Well, who? What? Because <laughs> I might be missing. You don't trust the algorithms. No, I well, might yeah, be it's missing one thing it. if you're shopping for something. That's what I mean. I don't mean like on Google. I mean like if I'm shopping for something. Okay. Like I want to know. I'm like I don't. You've seen everything. Yeah. You've, yeah. Especially if it's something kind of weird. I'm like, it could be on the last page. Yeah. So I have to click through all of them. That's one of your keys to life. So I'm a little bit of a completionist. Anyway, so this game was good for me in that some of it was challenging to complete the whole thing, but none of it was like impossible. 
And we did have to Google some of them. There's no way I would have found some of like the hidden doors that are yeah. through things or like the the skills points. What a letdown the skills points were. I told you art, they were going to be, yeah. I just wanted to complete everything. Do you remember anything about Spyro 2 and Spyro 3? What new stuff they no, added to the game? No idea. I only mm -hmm. had a vague recollection of Spyro and I don't even know which ones I actually played. Yeah. I think it was this first one because I remember that very first home world. Yeah. Where you like fly through the fields with the sheep and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I was very proud. Go ahead. That I beat the last boss by myself. Yes. I struggled with the previous bosses. In general, yeah, most games you struggle with bosses. I, once again, don't always have the dexterity in the moment and with the bosses it's a lot it's usually more... multitasking like you have to be jumping but ready to fire at the same and time and like with the bosses it's a lot more of just like fighting them than it is like finding a path or a strategy or something it's mm -hmm. more just like brawn over brains you know yeah well so uh, so i could not have done the game without you for the flying levels uh-huh and for some of the bosses it was a perfect co-op game for us for nasty nork the last boss you were asleep I was. I couldn't sleep. So I was up. I decided to play video games. I struggled with the sound system. <laughs> it was very loud. The yeah. TV thingy broke. They haven't. The sound bar. Sound bar. There you go. Yeah. Um, and then I couldn't find my headphones. I think I left them at school because mm -hmm. there's a little headphone jack in the thing. I like thought it was only for the Fortnite chat, but you're right. You can... You can uh, route all the audio to it. But I wouldn't have figured out the setting anyway. No, so no, no, I'm glad no. I didn't look too hard no. for my headphones that morning. Um, but I beat Nasty Nork all you by myself. You just got in there. You it just challenged him. It was a really hard level. Mm -hmm. Chasing was something I also struggled with. Those, yep. nah, 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 those guys. Yep. Um, in other levels, these really little annoying little wizard dudes like yeah. have stolen or thieves or whatever like have stolen dragon eggs and you have to chase them around and find and like catch them to get the egg but in this final level you have to chase them around and get keys to then get to like the next section of the level uh but this level was a bitch because there was no dragons to save points None. So as you're going through the game, you like free the dragons and then there's a fairy. This sounds ridiculous. There's a fairy that will, it's like your save point. So midway through a level, you get a save point so that if you die, you go back to that point of the level. Yep. That last um, boss didn't have any of those. So if you died, like, and there was a lot of chances to like fall into lava or fall into right. water. And in the other levels, if you hit water, you usually had at least a couple chances to get out. Here it was one bad move and you're done. Yeah, and if you're done, you go all the way back to the start and you have to chase a stupid nan and nan and guys all over again. I did not enjoy myself. You forced me to play through it again yeah, just because to prove I, your worth. Yes, I felt like you weren't understanding how uh, miraculous I did on that level. Yeah, uh, that's why they, they added screen capture support to PlayStation. You should have recorded your best run. I didn't know I could do that. Mm. I wouldn't have known it was my best run until it was over, though. That's true. Uh, so I did that, like, I think I lost fewer lives than you did. I wasn't really counting. But I, I'm just saying, I did pretty mm. well for someone who has struggled with the chasing guys yep. and struggled with bosses. It should have been a perfect storm of I did it, though. bad elements. You woke yeah. up and came in and the credits were rolling. Yeah. I didn't I know did what it. had happened. I assumed you used a cheat code. I didn't. Like in the Aladdin Sega game, A, B, B, A, A, B, B, A. I still remember only it. only ever use a cheat code for The Sims. Oh, absolutely. Rosebud all the way. Yes. How could you ever play The Sims <laughs> if you did not have a There's like money? no... You have like a bed and a shack. There's like no worse feeling than 
having played The Sims with the Rosebud cheat code and then playing The Sims again on regular. Yes, because you're like, what are we, peasants? You have like one bed inside a shack and you can't afford a roof. And it's just terrible. <laughs> and you have to go to work. Yes. The only fun bit <laughs> again, of The Sims. Again, I do life every day. I don't need <laughs> games to recreate the it. The only fun bit of The Sims is that you could just build giant mansions with ridiculous shag carpets and pinball machines. And to shit. then shag... Your lady, your guy friend. In the heart-shaped bed. Oh, yeah. Anyways, would you recommend Spyro to people? Uh, I would. I would I would let it go on sale for this trio, probably, but um, it's fun. For gamers or for not gamers? Uh, well, I mean, I think most Sony people will have some nostalgia for it, uh, but it's a worthwhile play. Same with Crash Bandicoot. They're... You know, it's it's a good change of pace from a lot of the AAA games, as they say. And also just like, I feel like some of the newer video games just make me feel either bad at video games because they're so complex, or just like overwhelm me, even Witcher sometimes, like there's too yeah. many options for things, or they're just like so much story and I don't, yeah. want, I, if I wanted to watch a movie, I would watch a fucking movie. Correct, right. Uh, you know, a lot of people argue about how video games should be recognized as, like, the next art form, you know, after movies, books, television, blah, 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 which is fine, but, like... That's how we're treating them on the podcast. Correct. But Spyro is, like, aesthetically pleasing, and, but is still fun. It doesn't have to be, like, a pretentious work of art. It yes. can just be a fun work of it art. It can just be, like, a cartoon. Like, it can yeah. just be Saturday morning cartoons. Sure. Like, and... And yeah, there's no crafting menu, which I thoroughly appreciate. <laughs> Fucking crafting. Why is why do I have to craft shit as Spider-Man? He's got webs. Like, I don't need to craft stuff. God. I also found the gameplay a lot more... Uh, I don't even want to say easy. I found the gameplay more interesting and more, like, friendly than the Crash Bandicoot one. I could not... I was, like, over Crash Bandicoot. I don't find it very fun. I know I was the one that was kind of, like, half-wanted that. Yeah. Because I remembered playing it. And I just got frustrated too easily playing it, like Spyro. Yeah, the harder levels of Crash Bandicoot, like, the enemies get a lot trickier, and yet you have to time things a lot more, whereas in Spyro, yeah, you can kind of run away from bad guys. But there were, like, the parts where you... We never talked about the super super speed and super yes, jump. Yes, go ahead. Like, that... It was kind of like... Crash Bandicoot is kind of like that the whole time, almost, where you have to do things in sequence, you have to figure out the puzzle, and you have to be clicking the buttons at the right time. And I think I get frustrated with Crash Bandicoot because it's just start over, start over, start over. Yeah. Like, you can't... I liked that Spyro gives you a little bit of time to regroup, and like you said, you can kind of run away, find a different angle, or... Uh, I don't know. It was the right amount of strategy for me of be attacking the enemies, but also being a little bit more of a free play where you could, like, stop, go go take a different turn, whereas Crash Bandicoot is just, like, full on the whole time. You thought Spyro was was listening to you and giving you lives when you needed to, extra bonus lives. I thought, I didn't think it was actually listening to me, but I thought the developers did a good job of building in extra lives when you needed them. Yeah. Like, how many times have you died, died on Crash Bandicoot? A lot. A million. I feel like on this game, we very rarely, like, died, died. Like, we went for a Not really Not until, like, the run. third or fourth world did we die, yeah. Yeah, we went on a really good run of 
collecting lives mm -hmm. and then we had a bunch of lives saved up and then by the time the levels got hard enough that we were losing lives like like you said all of the ones were like you could fall off of things and not have a chance to recover yeah uh it would give you extra lives like you would find extra lives somewhere or you could earn extra lives mm -hmm. and i very rarely was like worried about how many lives i had left where i feel like on crash bandicoot every time we play it's like how many lives do we have left how many lives do we yeah. have left so i appreciate that about gosh it. that was a thorough video game segment also Spyro's just so cute. He's pretty adorable. It's because he runs around like a puppy, which is why you love yeah, him. Yeah, it's like a little cat or a little puppy. A yeah. little kitty. Like he prances around and he sneezes out fire sometimes. Yeah. And he's got a little dragon for life, friend. Mm-hmm. So we are going to play the second and third Spyro's sometime. Someday. But I think we are going to take a break and maybe go back to do a little bit of free play in Witcher or mm. do a diff different video game for a bit. Yeah. All right. You know what time it is. This has been a long time, time coming. So, as part of our uh, throwback episode, yeah. 90s throwback. It's true. Uh, we are discussing Boy Meets World. I was going to say, we have to sing the whole thing. Boy Meets World. Wonder down this road that we call life is what we're doing. It's good to know our friends who will always say by me when the Boy Meets World. Oh. I apologize for that. Uh, we're talking about Boy Meets World. Yes. We watched all six seasons of the movie. Just kidding. Seven seasons. Seven seasons. No movie. Um, I think basically over like 12 months yeah. we've had Hulu for. It was about a year. We got Hulu basically specifically for Boy Meets World. So good move, Hulu. Because True. you've got like 100 bucks out of us. And yeah, we're going to cancel it after that. So that's it. Well, we have to finish You're the Worst. Correct. And I need to finish Broad City, which I'm pretty close to. Okay. Um, you actually liked the airport episode of Broad City. True. That was excellent. A lot of it's not excellent, but that episode was excellent. Um, yeah, so we... Boy Meets World. What's it about? Boy Meets World. For the people who don't know. Well, Boy Meets World is like what I always claimed was my favorite show for a while. Yeah. Um, probably pre-Glee and then pre-Parks and Rec, mm -hmm. I would have said Boy Meets World was my favorite TV show. Mm -hmm. Maybe there would have been a Grey's Anatomy in there for a little while. Hmm. But, like, Boy Meets World was my, I would, like, my quote-unquote favorite TV show for a while. Yeah. But it was very difficult to re-watch anywhere. Like, they, I don't think they still have released the last, like, two seasons on DVD. Like, yeah, I never understood, like, I guess it was owned by Disney, because it used to be on ABC when it was new, right? And then it used to be on Disney Channel for reruns? I forget. I think it was the other way around. No, it was TGIF. I'm almost positive. But were the later years TJF or the earlier years? I don't know. We'd have to Google that. We didn't do our yeah. extensive research on the history of Boy Meets World mm. uh, broadcasting. But um, we, this was like my favorite TV show, but it was really hard to find. I have seasons like one, three, and four on DVD or something because they finally started yeah. releasing them on DVD and people would give them to me. So I have like the DVD collections of the early seasons, but... I always wanted to do a rewatch of the whole thing mm -hmm. because I didn't really remember. I definitely remember the later seasons more watching them. The earlier seasons, I think I caught some like here and there, like when they were on reruns or yeah. after school. They used to be on at 3 and 3.30. Correct. To answer, or no, 3.30 and 4. To answer our first question, it was on ABC the entire run, 1993 to 2000. Okay. But yes, I, I kind of... Had the most nostalgia for, yeah, those after-school reruns. So it was either 3 and 3.30 or... I think it was actually 3.30 and 4, mm, That maybe? sounds right. I buy that. Um, 
I don't know why I still remember that. <laughs> I think it was 3.30 and 4, because I think I got home from it was school. It probably before your Comcast had the guide. Absolutely so you had to, it like, was. Yeah. Uh, so I think I used to get home from school at like 3.10 or something. In the Zoog days. I lived off of Zoog days. Yeah. Man. So I would get home from school at like, you know, 3.10 or 3.15 or something. Yeah. I think the bus dropped me off at 3.10. So I would watch like 3.30 and 4 o'clock Boy Meets World. Yeah. And then like when my parents got home, like do homework or whatever. Yeah. Um... So I like, like really vividly remember watching Boy Meets World at mm -hmm. that like after school time slot. Mm -hmm. So that's where I think I watched most of it. And I don't think it used to be in order. I think it was just random reruns. Probably. So I think I'd only ever seen it just like here and there. And probably based on the time that it came out, I probably actually saw the later season, the later seasons like live-ish and then watched the earlier ones with reruns or something like that. Yeah. Because I don't, they came out like, I don't think yeah. I would have been watching 1993, we, I would have been yeah, five. Yeah, exactly. So, wow, I was five when it started. So yeah, we definitely were not watching. You know, it was like 1998 was my peak TGIF time probably. Yeah, like fourth, fifth, sixth grade yeah. kind of thing. We used to watch Family Matters, Step by Step, Boy Meets World, and whatever else was on. Yeah, so mm -hmm. I definitely remember Full that House. after school. I mentioned Full House. Full House, that after yeah. school time slot where they were probably playing reruns for like my whole middle school yeah. uh, era. Um. But yeah, I've always wanted to watch the full thing. I always wanted to get like the full, before like Netflix and streaming was a thing, I always wanted to get like the full season collection on DVD, but it would never existed. So like in college, I had like season, like the first couple of seasons on DVD and I'd watch them every once in a while. Couple other uh, FAQs here. Uh, that's not what I meant. FYIs. <laughs> <laughs> um, frequently asked questions. So at one point in time, Fox, the WB, when that was a thing, oh, yeah? and UPN, when that was a thing. They UPN, all man. they all had syndication. Then Disney Channel took it all over, and Disney Channel would edit ep uh, episodes to take out some more adult material, and specifically they canceled three episodes from syndication. Uh, ones with underage drinking and sex, and yeah, sex again. I definitely watched that prom night one, though, so yeah. I must have got caught that one before syndication. I don't remember the Sean drinking ones, though, so maybe they did mm. successfully edit those ones out for me. Yeah. So, I have recently, after our rewatch of this, or in the middle of our rewatch, re have been declaring that my sense of humor is based on Elf, yep. the movie, Parks and Rec, and Boy Meets World. Yeah. I think those are, like, the three like tent poles or paragons of like my sense of humor. Your sense of humor meaning what you find funny? What I find funny, a combination of what I find funny and what I like quote. Correct. But then when we were watching it, you seemed to think that I got like my brand of humor from some of yes. what Corey d says, yes. his parents say, and what Eric says. Yes. Right. So I think what I find funny and some of like the... um kind of top of my brain yeah. uh, references yeah. comes from those three. I think like some of your like deep seated, like <laughs> what, like your Just brand my approach of humor to, yeah. Yeah, is yeah. very Corey Matthews. Yeah. I see that. Early Corey Matthews, I would say. Yeah. yeah. Uh, overall, I found it very enjoyable. I'm very yeah. glad we rewatched it. Whenever I would say, let's put on some Boy Meets World, like I was never, very rarely was I like, oh, that wasn't worth it or that was a waste of time. Yeah. Um, and it was, 
we were watching rewatching some Parks and Rec again, which we might have to go back to as our fun comedy show. Yeah, but I this, have to say now that it's been on Comedy Central and FX, I'm all, getting a little bit parked out. I'll watch it without you because you keep watching it without me. Well, I've tried not to skip ahead, so it should be fun. Um, so we like watched all the way through in order from yeah. season one to the end of season seven, and literally just finished it yesterday. Yeah. Um. I see you're looking up some of the best episodes. Do you have any overall comments? Do you want to talk about specific episodes? So I I don't have any notes prepared. Okay. Per use. Per use. My biggest thesis about Boy Meets World mm -hmm. was that, like, seasons, the show is, okay, how can I say this? Is that a light bulb going off in my head? Maybe. Um, The early seasons of the show, it is a show about... Eric Matthews. Okay. Most of the the later parts of the the show, it's a show about Sean. Okay. And as I was growing up, I just assumed it was all about Corey and his parents and Topanga. And Topanga especially, like the first few seasons, I know she like started as a guest uh, appearance and then like they decided to write her in as a key character mm -hmm. but even when she becomes a key character she's still very much in the background well she's Corey's foil she's not Sometimes, actually her own but character. in a lot of in a lot of episodes she's just kind of there in the background yeah um so yeah i had forgotten about how much of the like the emotional plot centered on sean. eric and sean i yeah. absolutely remember that i so you're saying it's like a pride and prejudice situation where oh, Corey so. is lizzie but it's actually about, you know how Pride and Prejudice, like, the, the main character is actually Lizzie, it's Jane. Like, that's one of those things that people argue. No, I've never heard what? that. What? No. We've definitely talked about this in the podcast before. No. About how it's one of the books that people use as an example that, like, the narrator is not always the main character. I, I guess I see like, what you're saying, Like, the, yeah. the arcs and the emotional climaxes of the book are actually more Jane. Jane's yeah. arcs follow the traditional rising, falling action, whereas gotcha. Lizzie is, like, just the social commentary. She's on the, yeah, the outskirts of the action. Even though yeah. she ends up in her own drama. Yeah. Like, the actual... Um, like diagram story diagram is Jane. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. So I'm saying it's the kind of that situation where Corey's our like kind of figurative narrator. Right. He takes us into the world, but yeah, it's really focusing on. But he doesn't really. I don't want to say he doesn't change very much. No, but, like, but he is dramatic, a constant in it more or less. Yeah. yeah. He's the constant. The dramatic arcs are around him. Yeah. Not with him necessarily. Yeah. Not that he doesn't have his own drama, but he kind of is your tour guide through the drama correct whereas i remember that because sean man sean can still get me to cry oh my that gosh final episode i didn't cry at anything except for when sean said goodbye to mr feeney and I, like, tears just started pouring down my face <laughs> oh there's the gif of it yeah stop you never and stop I mean, believing in me and i mean oh. feeney is so solid from start to finish in the show yes. too even in the college years when they, like, it's don't quite know what to do with him, he's just still... He still manages he's it. He's game for anything. I'm, like, crying just watching that gif of him and Sean. Yeah. Um, so the best episodes or the most, like, the best emotional arcs are, like, Sean and Corey, like, reaffirming their friendship. Multiple occasions, they yeah. They fucked it up a little bit in the college years. Mm-hmm. They, like, the college years were just really inconsistent. Definitely. Like, seasons, like, six and seven. I remember, like, 
those seasons for being some of the biggest laughs that I could recall. Yes. But yeah, in terms of the storylines, I remember the honeymoon stuff and honeymoon. the wedding stuff before then. But other than that, I was like, what happens these last two years? I just, like, my brother and I uh, loved the, um, the curtains are on fire, the curtains are on fire, they're chopping up the dorm room, my brother is a moron. Which nobody can deny. Uh, I think the biggest laugh for me still is the one I keep replaying, which is Eric <laughs> busting into the kitchen, talking about Feeney's garage sale or something, and going, I had this great idea. So I sat down, I, and I, I said, said to myself, myself Kyle? <laughs> and the dad's like, Kyle? And the mom's like, who's Kyle? <laughs> That's what I call myself. Kyle? <laughs> um, going off my previous comment, like, so... Morgan is not in the show at all. No. Uh, separate from the issue of there being two Morgans. Like, the grown-up Morgan has, like, a half of an episode to herself when she goes out on her first date. And other than that, has, like, 12 speaking lines in the entire show. Yeah. Um, the other ridiculous part is how many moms and dad actors Topanga For has. Topanga, that's really bad on rewatch. Yeah. Maybe people didn't notice at the time because there was such a gap between seasons. Yeah. Or, because it would have been, like, years between those appearances, whereas for us it was, like, months Correct. because of the way we watched it. And that's it. the thing I kept reminding myself while we were watching it. Like, when Corey and Topanga break up because of the ski girl, I was like, oh, wow, it only took four episodes from them to go from the ski lodge to, like, getting back together. It would have been a month. But then you think about that, and yeah. for four weeks you would have been like, I don't know if Corey and Topanga are going to make it. Yeah, and all those times where we were like, oh, we'll just watch the next one. You yeah. couldn't do that. Like, no. it sounds super ridiculous to be saying that, because obviously you couldn't do that. Like, we grew up in, in that same era, too. Yeah. But when you're re-watching it, some of that stuff, like, you have to remind yourself of how long that cliffhanger would have to hold. Yeah. Like, Can I run through some of these top episodes? Uh, can I just make a couple more comments? Yes. Um, I have not looked up Corey and Sean fanfiction yet. It's gotta be there. But, man, they were the real romance of the show. Yeah. Like, the two of them, their relationship was the linchpin of the whole show from start to finish. Like, Topanga comes in and out, mm -hmm. and there's plenty of Topanga drama because that is really Corey drama and Corey growth. Um, but, man, Corey and Sean was what it kept coming back to, mm -hmm. and the most emotional moments in the show for me at least, were not Corey and Topanga moments. They were like Corey and Sean moments or Sean and his dad or Sean and his brother or Sean and Corey's dad. Like, yeah. And some of those in the later years, like I said, were not very well done. They were a little bit sloppy or a little bit... Um, I remember Sean's road trip being a lot longer than like two and a half episodes. <laughs> and there are, there are some tropes in the show. Like whenever someone needs to, to find themselves on this show, they always go on a road trip. Yes. Like Eric and Sean basically follow the exact same arcs in a few instances. Yes. Um, um, and the college years just don't really make a lot of sense uh, time-wise. It's very unclear Especially how many with years the, they've been at college. the finale, where they're all like, we're going to New York now, but they never do graduation for Eric, but... None of them graduate, though. No. I don't think. No. Corey and Topanga and Sean would be soft... Freshmen? Soft I think sophomores. Jack and Eric were both meant to have started college late. Yeah. And then Rachel was actually meant to be the same age as, like, Angela and Topanga. Rachel had a smaller role than I remember. Jack had less to do than I remembered, mm -hmm. but I remembered him being hot, and that held up. He only got hot in the last season, though. Yeah, the last season and a half, yeah. Um, 
but yeah, the college years were had some of the best laughs, but some of the most inconsistent plotting and just they didn't have an arc longer than twenty minutes for like two seasons, yeah. really. Uh, I would say like the middle years were some of the best work. Sean's trying to find himself and they like discover girls and like those are the ones I remember like them at Chubby's all the time. Sure. And like in that hallway, like the middle school hallway at oh, school. Oh, some great scenes like in terms of a, a, sh a show shot on a lot. Like Yes. Really and like it didn't. Scenery. Looking back on it, it's like they had like three sets. They had the Matthews house. Yeah. Um, they had the high school and... Like a classroom, right? And those were basically their three sets. And you had Feeney's, but it didn't feel outdoor, like that. Yeah, it didn't feel like no. that. They did a good job of making it, uh, making it seem like a whole world. And man, I would, I know, I'm sure this set is like torn down by decades at this point. But I would love to like yeah. do a tour of Walk like the through that. yeah the hallway or something. I just don't understand <sighs> why. I guess I'll save this for later. Go through the best episodes. Uh, well, the finale is mentioned here, and I, I did really like how they did the finale with some interweaving of old footage. I don't usually like those, like, mm. like Friends has some recap episodes that yeah. I usually find. I'm like, oh, one of these again, I've already seen those episodes, but yeah. I thought this one was, it felt like a finale, and yeah, I didn't, it, I wasn't bothered by the, uh, old footage. Uh, the cult one is one that I for sure remembered. I remember Sean that one, but like... Cult. I pref I would choose other Sean ones over that one. Yeah. Um, like the, the set of honeymoon episodes and then the fights that Corey gets in with his parents when they come back about housing and money. And As like an adult, I really, that really resonated with me. Some of the like married stuff. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, some of those arguments and some of the like, arguments with the parents I can relate to a little bit. And... That was the highlight of the last two seasons was Corey and Topega figuring out their... Yeah. There's no way they have that dorm for married people, but sure, we'll... we'll... No, some colleges have that. It's like for grad school, for grad students. Yeah. But would they have had to pay for it? I don't know. Anyways, it was a little bit confusing. They would have had to pay for it still yeah. as like student housing, but yeah. it, they wouldn't have had to like pay for like an apartment. Um, but yeah, that part was excellent. And um, so yeah, it was definitely a different experience watching this as an exo as an adult versus as like a middle schooler or a high schooler mm. because some of the stuff that I just like thought was for comedic uh, value before like the honeymoon stuff and like Eric hoisting him around the room and all of that. Yeah. Uh, that's what I remembered about those seasons. But now as someone who has been married and did get married, like not as young as them obviously, but like a little bit young, like that's the stuff that I related with more was like trying to navigate their relationship as a married couple and like, how things change and how that changes your dynamic with your parents and friends, with your friends. Yeah. And, um, I related really hard with that. And like, obviously we're getting old because I related a lot with the parents. Man, oh, how yeah. are Amy and Alan Legends. Not, yeah, they are legendary parents. Like, especially Alan, like he like confronts his like um, misogyny and toxic masculinity like multiple times over the course of all the seasons. True. Like to make him a better dad and like, well, uh, this know. is the next episode on the list. I'm not sure that they needed to have a pregnancy storyline for Amy for the fourth kid, but the, this episode, Resurrection, the one where they're at risk of losing the baby in the hospital, that's another one that sends shivers down your spine. Yeah. Although, like, the Corey one in that, the Corey storyline in that, I, like... So that is what I struggled with the most in the rewatch, is Corey from seasons four to seven, he... 
he like seems to like refuse to change in some ways or like but he hates the way he is i don't know he's confusing like that's a, that's another kind of point towards our he's not really the main protagonist despite being the the narrator yeah because like he doesn't seem to do a lot and when he does it seems to be more to set up character development for other people than for himself right and on a couple of occasions he confronts the fact that he He's, he's afraid of change. Or... Well, he's average is always his yeah. biggest fear. And I did find those those kind of, uh, the dive into that kind of interesting. But, right, this episode in particular where he's, like, questioning why Topanga's not weird anymore. And, like, he doesn't want to deal with the fact that he has a baby brother who might not make it. And, like, I get it, kind of. Like, I am not someone who is very good at dealing with grief or dealing with tough situations. Like, I would much yeah. rather dissociate and distract myself then deal with some of the complicated feelings I have about things. But Corey but, just comes off as selfish in a lot of episodes yeah. because he's always like, I know there's this giant life event happening over here, but what about me? What about us? Topanga, you and I are the most important thing ever. And I struggled in this episode because it seemed like they were kind of on Corey's side and I was not. Mm. Like they were kind of being like, everyone should look at Corey. And I was just like, I don't know about that. Uh, there's the episode in the last season with the flash forwards to if they don't become friends, where you get plays with squirrels and I some... I only remembered plays with squirrels on yeah. that episode. I didn't remember the rest of it, honestly. Uh, Dangerous Secret from season four, Ooh, where that, they do I the after-school special about, yeah, child abuse. Claire. Uh, the Brotherly Shove one in, in the last set we watched, I struggled with that one because Eric just, like, loses all sort of balanced characteristics in the last season. But once again, I struggle with that one because, like, Corey was not in the right. Oh, yeah. He was in the wrong. But I do think they started to play Eric for more slapstick comedy than for Definitely. actual character. And that, to me, that almost was the start of, like, that Disney Channel-type um, humor where it's just, like, everything is really silly and slapstick. Mm -hmm. And I thought the last, like season or two kind of veered a little bit into that. Yeah, especially with the B or C plots. Yeah. Uh, in the post-breakup situation, you have the one where Corey goes and gets drunk. Uh, but the better one about post-breakup right. is... No, what? but that one's good because Alan blames it on Sean. Correct. That good scene. That tension. Yeah, yeah, the Sean and the parent interactions. But the one not on this list is the scream parody, which I think is their How best. How is the Scream parody not on there? This is the most emotional one. It's not the best ones. But Scream um, is like, that's just classic TV. <laughs> My favorite line that I forgot about was when he gets killed by the pencil and drops. <laughs> and I think Jack goes, at least we'll always know how tall he was. <laughs> Some of those lines, like, they're just ridiculous, but they work for me. And I know that, like, your sister has said that, like, she's not a fan of that type of humor. Yeah. But wh whatever it is, it just really works for me. I this one this I is one of the best Sean ones when they're trying to mess with the high school and vandalize the school. And, and Sean, like, kind of gets this feeling where, like, this is where I belong. Like, I'm trailer trashed. I'm just pretending that I'm better than that, but yeah. I'm not. And tries to kind of force himself to go back on, like, that side of the tracks, if you will. And then Corey shows up, and, and Feeney has to be like, you have to fight for him, and Corey goes and fights for him. Look at this gift. Stop! I'm gonna cry. Oh, Chet. I'm you thought screwed up, Dad. You thought there was a lot more ghost Chet I thought to there was come. a lot more ghost Chet. Good for that actor for for uh, getting a paycheck a few more times. Uh, but, yeah, the, the death of Chet. And they, like, one. really... They don't make it obvious. Like, they, they no, leave you hanging you, yeah. of whether or not he's going to make it. This one, yeah, just for this line where, Alan, where Alan offers to adopt Sean. That was rough. 
Uh, a long walk to Pittsburgh is definitely a set that I remember, you know, it being a to be continued for sure. And like even watching it, I was like, oh, this is intense. And then when they showed the clips from it after like season seven, I'm like, they look so little. Yeah. And, um... Oh, wait, this is the one I was talking about. Wrong side of the tracks, yeah. If you belong here, I belong here. And Corey's like, yeah. I belong wherever you are, Sean. Aw. And then, of course, yeah, you have the Ski Lodge ski one. Ski Lodge, Lauren. Lauren. What a homewrecker. Um... The Stewart one where, uh... Uh, what's his face? Uh, Fred Savage shows up. Oh, that was intense. I didn't really remember that you one. You didn't remember that, that one. I remember that one line for line almost. You didn't remember the Topanga de parents' divorce one. No, I forgot that storyline. And I remember that one very clearly. Yeah. Um, I don't know what my other favorite episodes are. Is it the cult episode where he goes, this is a hug, Sean? Yeah, that's what that gif was. Yeah, yeah, I always remember that one. Like, I always confuse that one. I think, I always think that's the one where his dad's in the hospital, but it's not. Mm. That's the cult one. Correct. But I always remember that line of, like, this is a hug. This is, like, someone who cares about you. Yeah. I just love the Sean arcs. Sean arcs are great. I, I still think Eric has some great ones. I love the... The skydiving one, mm -hmm. when Alan has to, you know, struggle having the two relationship, different relationships with his different sons. Yeah. Oh, the one I forgot. My other favorite one is the the B and B one at Feeney's house. Yes. That one is great. Yeah. With the visitors and how everything lines up, that one's terrific. I just really like the ones where Sean like wants to give up and like someone convinces him not to. Whether it's Corey convincing him to stay on the right track, he's or the Feeney. only one who never gave up on me. The worst. The rest of them, I was like, "Yeah, Feeney. Feeney is helpful," but like, I like the I Feeney, love the Feeney Um, I feel like we were very incomprehensible about Boy Meets World. Mm. I just don't understand why it is not like such a cult classic as like Friends or as The Office or mm. I don't know. Was it just in that in between time where it wasn't? Um, I don't know. We spoke to someone who won't be named, and they said, "Oh, I watched a few, and it's just so cringy now." And I'm normally very quick to cringe at... The office is cringy now. Oh, yeah. Well, The Office was cringy on purpose, but, like, I don't know. I know that the, the jokes maybe don't all age great, but it seems like it's a lot of, like, evergreen humor, where it's not like it's not like the good place where, like, in ten years you're going to be like, what the fuck Bortles. is a Blake Bortles? Yeah. Um, it's all about growing up and coming of age and, like, the struggles that everybody faces. Like, I yeah. still found it, like, relatable now, even you know, 20 years later or whatever. I mean, it's a it's a middle-class show, for sure. Like, it's not... Yeah, it's white America. Yeah. But it just... I, I don't find it cringy. I find watching, fu like, Fuller House and Full House... Yeah. Man, that's Yeah, cringy. the Full House reruns, yeah, don't stack up, I don't think. No, you watch them, and they're so after-school special that it's, like, painful to watch, and Fuller House is just as bad. I mean, obviously, it was loved enough to get the Girl Meets World kind of mm. spin-off, and... Um, and Even that was okay. Like it wasn't. It was as fine, but I, I assumed that you know how Girl Meets World always had kind of like the lesson of the week, and yeah. and Corey as the teacher was like you know explaining how it related to their real life. But the Boy Meets World usage of that is like a lot more subtle. It is. And it doesn't I think, hit you over the head. I think some of the earlier episodes were maybe a bit more focused on that, where Feeny would talk about something, and then that would be the lesson. But yeah, Girl Meets World definitely took that like bit of the show and ran with it because like every week seemed to be that but i did miss in the later seasons of boy miss world like the 
centering on the school. Yeah. Because, like, you think about they either had a project to work on or a dilemma in the school or an interaction with a teacher. Or the social dynamics of the right. school. But then in college, it was only about the relationships. And Sean and Topanga got together and broke up five times, and that was Angela. five episodes. What did I say? Oh, gosh. Underpants. Underpants. <laughs> Um, yeah. And I think that's why the college season seemed a bit like unmoored or untethered was that yeah. like they didn't really have that focal point to go back to of like the school and the grades and the test. Like they kind of uh, almost used that as a joke a few times, yeah. like how little time they spent in class or about how Feeney was their only teacher Correct. or whatever. There was like, a lot more domestic. Like they tried to build whole arcs out of uh, Eric, Jack, and Rachel just living together. Yeah, they went with a lot more like the roommate situation versus mm. the class situation. And I think yeah. that... That struggled a little bit. Like, who knows what major any of them even were? Or no, like they really. There's that one episode at the very beginning when Corey goes and signs up for bad classes because he was late or whatever. But like, they could have done so much better with the college things, and I think that's why they had to wrap it up like they did. Was I'm sure they were getting canceled, but yeah, like, that'd be they didn't to find out. do a good job with the college years. Like, they did a lot of really relatable middle school and high school things that would be relatable to anybody. Mm-hmm. And then in college, they focused a lot more on specific relationships versus like life stuff correct or jumped all the way to the married life and i don't know right which like i said i relate to that now but at the time um i don't know i just feel like like looking back on it now someone who's been to college i'm like man you could have had so many other good good storylines that you didn't glaze over about like not fitting in and making other friends and um you're picking a major and what classes to take and they did like one and a half episodes about college was harder yeah but they didn't really cover that at all like I don't know. I, I think it would have been interesting to see how they handled that. Like, I appreciate that they didn't do, like, the uh, evergreen high school student thing where they just yeah. never leave. Like, I appreciate <laughs> that they did, like, the appropriate time. Yeah. Like, once they graduated college, it's time to graduate college. And that led to some interesting stories um, and plots with Eric, for sure. I forgot about the uh, the Disney World one too. Like all that's a classic. All sitcoms back in the day would do like the travel episodes, but I thought this this was the best. Yes, with the dolphin. Yeah, and, yeah, classic. <sighs> so, would you recommend this to people who watched it originally? Would you recommend it to people just starting? Like, I'm most excited. I'm hoping that we have kids and get to watch it with them. That's mm-hmm. what I'm looking forward to. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I think we should finish with the sound that ends each of those episodes. Some bad hat, Harry. Okay. I have a bunch of upcoming stuff. I'll oh, shit. I'll That's not the end of the that. podcast. Sorry, babe. I got three rapid fire. Um, on the come up, Angie Thomas's new book is getting an adaptation. Have I already mentioned that? Has the book come out yet? Yeah, it's out. Oh, okay. Um, Frozen 2, the trailer. Did you watch it yet? She might be a lesbian. What? She might be a lesbian. Where? Is what I heard. There's another girl there and they think that Elsa's a lesbian. Oh, I did not see that at all. Um, I'm I'm in. It looks like some sort of cool hero's journey and I'm in. Uh, Aladdin trailer, not so in. Yeah, you, yeah. You You didn't have a problem with it. I did. I was, I was into it until I saw Will Ferrell. um, Will Ferrell. (laughs) God. That would have been good, maybe. (laughs) Maybe. Will Smith. And I just was out. I was like, hard pass. Um... Wicked, the movie, in 2021. How old is Wicked now? Let's move know. past it. I don't know. Is it going to follow the book or the show? The show, for sure. Um, Kenan Thompson, to yeah. the All That revival. Did you see that? It's on my list, yeah. Okay. Um, they both die at the end TV series. 
Well, it's a book by Adam Silvera that I did not like very much. Uh-huh. Anyway, it's going to be a TV series, I guess. Um, Grishaverse. Oh, uh, I was not what, a fan. What did you just say? There's this series of books, Six of Crows. Do you remember me complaining about I that do. one? Um, that, like, universe is getting uh, Netflix uh-huh. adaptation, I guess. I was not a fan of the book. I think a lot of that lies in the fact that it was very overhyped. And by the time I read it, it just, like, was fine. Mm-hmm. But because it was overhyped, I, like responded very negatively to it. But mm-hmm. I feel like I'm the only person in the world that's not a fan of that, but not a fan. Um, High School Musical, the musical, the series? So, uh? High School Musical, the musical, the series? Okay. It's going to be a TV series, I guess. Getting desperate. Um, Ma's House? You said you saw the trailer, didn't click it? Just saw a picture, a still, yep. Um... It looks really creepy, and I'm definitely never going to see it, but I'm here for Octavia Spencer, like, flexing her acting muscles a little bit and being the evil villain with a bunch of annoying white kids. And my last one is What We Do in the Shadows. Mm -hmm. It's going to be a TV series on FX. Okay. I thought when I was seeing it that it was just advertising that they're, like, going to show the video, the movie, Mm -hmm. because I never watched the movie, even though I now like Taika Waititi. Right. But I guess it's going to be its own series now. Those are mine. Okay. Um, Why did I just see Darren Crystal's name on Oh, here? I'm going to get to that. Okay. How did we not talk about his wedding? Because nobody knows what the hell happened. I was trying to stop no on one was invited. Everybody that They were all invited. They just were under strict no Okay, no real pictures, quick. There's going to be a movie made about J.R.R. Tolkien's life. I am so done with like the fantasy author biopic. Okay, like who else? Like all the the uh, the Winnie the Pooh shit. Yeah, that's what you call that a fantasy and author. And the Peter though? Pan shit. Whatever you want to say, historical authors like getting movies about them creating memorable things. Okay. Like you don't need to be that meta. Okay. Uh, so yeah, this I'll other really one feel. is an animated film, Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Excuse which like me? would have given like twelve year old me the biggest hard on possible. Okay, is that okay to say on the air? I don't know. Talk about myself. Sure. <laughs> um. So yeah, a couple of the voices here. Batgirl is going to be Rachel Bloom from Crazy Ex Girlfriend. And uh, Darren is going to be one of the turtles. That's probably like his wet dream too, because he was he was a big Ninja Turtle. But you know what this means now is due to his casting decisions. That means that none gay. none of the turtles were ever gay then. Otherwise, he would be tricked into it. But, but could one of the mm. other turtles that not is not him could be gay. Possibly, we'll see. All right, that was a nice quick podcast how did it end up being so long i guess i have a lot of feelings about spyro yep it was also one of our less comprehensible podcasts i think that's saying a lot <laughs> well thank you if you if you followed us on this journey back to the 90s and early 2000s thanks for sticking around mm-hmm. and we'll be back with some more uh relevant content and again this is not an in sync tribute podcast despite the 90s talk oh we sh- definitely should have digital digital get down get down Bye.